Hi, I'm Barbara. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to The Young Tongues. This is a podcast all about our marvelous and magnificent tongues. Ooh, did I get you going? Well, we had tongue cancer. Ooh, did I just kill the man? Well, don't worry. This is not what you think. Get ready to hear all the ins and outs of our marvelous tongues. For a long time, we couldn't talk. And we have a lot to say now. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Young Tongues podcast. My name is Barbara Fountain and I am the founder of the Young Tongues, a peer-to-peer support group for young people diagnosed with tongue cancer. And please allow me to introduce you to my always fabulous co-host, Jane Powell. Hello. Hi, everyone. (laughs) Spooky. I'm so excited to be back here again we took a little break and now we are back and it's my favorite time of year halloween and nothing scarier than tongue cancer so i feel like it's very on brand for us to be doing a spooky episode of cancer tongue cancer (laughs) i'm gonna make it spooky i love your link yes no totally so yeah (laughs) we've taken the summer off um but I'm just conscious that we haven't actually caught up in ages Jamie so how was your summer are you how are you have the kids like (laughs) finished you off or you're right (laughs) oh I uh as always like hanging on by a thread but we had a good summer um we recently finished our pool so it was ready just in time for summer so we didn't go on vacation this year we just stayed home and swam every day and it was awesome and um that's all that we did. And then school started in August for us here in the States. So it's like, you're still going to school when it's really um, hot and nice and you shouldn't be in school in August, but that's a whole nother thing. And now it's just back to school and errands and all the kids have a million different things to do. And then we keep getting animals. So we're going to open a zoo. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was, I was going to ask, but before that, I know that you had another big event happen this summer. Um, we, we touched on it last time we spoke that because you were looking forward mm-hmm. to like a certain event, um, to certain, certain birthday events. You mean the event I, I didn't tell anybody about? <laughs> I turned the young age of 40 this year and um, it was nice. I went and I saw Jeff Goldblum, my other husband in concert. And oh yes, she moment. did. Yeah, oh, you, no, 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 no. Jamie doesn't just go and see Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. No, no, no. <laughs> we, we had a moment and he I told screamed. my husband, Listen, if he asks you who you are, you're not with me. So he, he played along and we sang together and it was lovely. And I don't know how anything will top that. I mean, well, we need, we just need to recap for people what happened. Basically I was on Instagram. I saw this video and I screamed. I <laughs> went, oh, I, um, and I was like, I ran to my husband. I was like, look, look, look. And basically Jamie got picked out of the audience because I mean, why not? Have you seen her? And, um, he sort of does a little play with you and he I, I I think honestly I don't think he was at all prepared for the voice 
that was going to happen. And it was just incredible. You totally it, stole the show. <laughs> it was like, I, I, I'm an outer bot. Like, I was like, what? So this is what the story was like. He comes out and he um he hasn't he has like a jazz band that he plays with and goes on tour and he comes out and he banters with the audience and his old this is right before the show started and he came out and he was like oh I need to like tune the piano fiddle with some stuff anybody want to know a song they can sing in the meantime and he just comes up to me and hands me the mic and I'm like uh, and I just sing and I don't know where that song is from I don't know what it is but the voice like I have not sang like that so. I wouldn't say it was an act of God. It was an act of gold bloom to make me sound that way. And it literally stopped him in his tracks. So go watch my Instagram, go watch the video and you can see him. He's like, and he wants me to sing more. And then he starts playing the piano. It's it's a, and you changed the words of the song on the <laughs> cuff. And I was like, this woman is a genius out of, in all the stress of going, oh my God, this is happening. And you are cool enough to go, you know what, baby? I'm just going to change the <laughs> words to this and make it all about you. You know what? Yeah. You have to go and watch it. It's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Oh, but that was the best. That was the best. Yeah. I just, I will be living on a high from that for the rest <laughs> of my life. So, you know, if it ends tomorrow, all good. It was fine. Yeah. And yeah. they told us. What about you, Barbara? Well, 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 I, I have had a fabulous summer. Um, anyone who watches my Instagram will have just seen mountains and lakes. <laughs> and cows and I loved it. I was like, there she is, swimming in a lake again in like a painting. It's gorgeous, isn't it? So that's actually my hometown. That's where I actually was born and raised. Oh, my and God. Grew up. Yeah, and I got a lot of people who always ask me, why did you move to England? And sometimes I go, yeah, why? No, no, obviously I love England as well. Um, and it has its perks. But no, I do, I I hadn't, I'd been home a few times since the whole cancer thing. Um, And when I was ill, that was one of my biggest fears of like, I'm never going to make it home again. Like, I'm not going to, you know, see certain people again, or it will all be different and da, 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 da. Um, so for me, what I really wanted is to actually spend a longer amount of time because usually I go to Switzerland, I have a week and I have to see like the whole world and their dog. And it's just like one appointment after the other and I don't get to actually enjoy it. Um, and this time I said to my husband, look, COVID has sort of made this possible that we can work from home. Maybe we could work from Switzerland. So that's what we did. We went for a month and and it worked uh-huh. really well. I'm so happy that it all worked out and like his his um, employer is happy like that he you know was able to work from there as well so fingers crossed we might be able to do it again in the future Um, absolutely yeah I hope so Um, it was a bit of a like a trial because nobody quite knew what to expect um but it it was so nice to just slow down and it for, for it not to be a trip for it just to be like hey this is where I grew up this is where I lived you know to to see the good the bad and the ugly uh and the absolutely amazing beautifulness uh, I gotta tell you I didn't see any ugly so oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> you, well, you really... it was really 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 cold and rainy oh. for like the first couple of weeks yeah it was really unseasonable and I and <laughs> one one evening we were on the sofa with a blanket and Nick is going it's July Barbara what what's going on here I, like, I don't know that's not usually yeah um yeah. but towards the end of the trip and actually now Europe is it's really unseasonably warm so hey hello climate change 
Um, anyhow, on that note, um, I then, um, unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, um, I I slipped on a pontoon, um, like on the lake, and um, I slipped, and I, I didn't really have to fall into the lake, but I was so embarrassed about slipping, so I sort of <laughs> locked myself into the lake and then climbed back out. And I, but, I oh, what I, happened? Well, it's just yeah, I, it, it was like I was already like. Like the pontoon was on the lake. It's one of those that you climb up and you jump off on. And I just, oh, okay, okay, yeah, I just, just, just a bit silly. And and then was so embarrassed that I was like, no, lake, take me, disappear. I came back up and um and, and hobbled back onto the pontoon. I was like, oh no. And, and my husband Nick, he looked at me. He's like, you're quiet. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, you really hurt yourself, haven't you? It's like, yeah. So I I've partially ruptured a uh, ligament in my left knee. Ouch! Yeah, ouch. Um, but it's slowly getting better. But it also meant that, unfortunately, fortunately, I had to extend my trip by three weeks. <laughs> so I actually ended up being in Switzerland for seven weeks. Um, three weeks without my husband, which I obviously missed him, but also it was quite nice. Mm-hmm, I get um, that. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and, and also, and, you know, it's difficult because it's a different language, and I actually got to spend like quality time with like my schoolmates my girls oh really that's amazing yeah not having to translate all the time which you know was nice and then and then basically I was down the lake every day of the every yeah every day twice a day because I was living with my parents and god bless them Oh, I'm sure they loved every minute of it yeah oh yeah totally but they were also glad when I was like what Go for a walk now. See you in a few hours. I'll, I'll leave you yeah. adults be adults. And yes, I am not. I'm not a 16 year old. I'll see something. So, oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you gotta yeah. adjust being there. You'll always like. If I oh. go to stay at my parents' house, they're always like, "Well, what time are you planning on getting home? Like, you should be here by this time." I'm like, I, uh, I got text messages five o'clock oh, yeah. every day. Are you coming home for dinner? <laughs> I was just like, oh, deja vu. <laughs> Wow. what time would you like me home that was great didn't have to cook so yeah that um, is nice yeah I did slightly regress to be honest but no basically <laughs> I had a fantastic summer and I and I, I have to admit this I realized that I have to do this more often in terms of going home and just spending time um in nature in the lake and walking up mountains yeah. and doing whatever just because I guess in a weird way my work my life is 24-7 cancer now. And yeah, that's tough. Yeah, it is tough. And, yeah. and sometimes I just need to, like, unplug and disappear yeah. and do something else. So Absolutely. I mean, you have to do that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and on that note, um, I am very... Let's talk about cancer. Let's talk about cancer. On that note, I am really, really um, over the moon to announce and also... Really proud and absolutely scared shitless. <laughs> um, the Young Tongues is now officially a registered charity. And um, we've done it. Um, we got through all the bureaucracy and we, we well, by the time this podcast goes out, we will have officially announced it. But we haven't yet because guess what comes after the, bu- the bureaucracy? Uh, more bureaucracy. <laughs> Uh, yeah um yeah so I'm currently like if if people are going like oh Barbara's not posting that much it's because I'm basically 
put my head down, not panicking, and just getting on with the job. So um, we, in the coming months, we actually have an organization because we are professionalizing, um, which we've got a foundation to build upon and grow on and then, you know, take over the world, change, make real change. Wow, Um, it's, you know, big change with little steps to get there. And I think this is a a big step. It's a big step, yeah. yeah. But it took lots of baby steps to get there and it's going to take lots more baby steps to get to the next thing. And And we will get there. We will get there and and we'll talk about um, all of that stuff in another episode. Um, But yeah, so that's that's what's been going on in my life. (laughs) Just that. Yeah, and you know, and then having like, oh, have you had your first cold yet? Your autumn cold? I did. You know what? I got COVID right when school started. So that was a weird thing. Was that first time you've had it? "Ah." First time I have it. I, I was like, oh no, I thought I thought I was gonna go through this without getting it at all. But then the kids go back to school and then they bring all you know, and I go to school with them and they bring all the germs back. And I guess I did too. And I remember one day I was like, I'm just gonna go lay down for like 20 minutes. And it was like three hours later and I got up. I was like, I am not okay. I'm not right. So I didn't have like a cold or anything, but COVID, I had the fatigue and the headache, like a massive headache. And then I was like, maybe I should test. And it was like, like lighting up, bright line. And so um, I couldn't go to work and I just, and I could take, and so I had a quarantine. So it was kind of okay, kind of okay. Cause I didn't have any other symptoms. So I was like, I watched my shows and lay in bed, but um, coming out of it, it, it was hard to, like, I found myself like, I'm a little winded, like walking to the bathroom. And I remember hearing other people being like, it takes some time to come out of it. So um, that's, that's what I had. That's my little COVID story. So I had it done. Don't need it again. <laughs> and then the kids have like, um, I don't know, it's allergy season here. And so everything is like yellow on the, like your car is covered in like pollen and stuff everywhere in our neighborhood. So all of my kids are like sniffly. Ooh, and I have not had a cold yet. Just oh. that. <laughs> yeah well I thought I had COVID because pretty much everyone has COVID here at the moment but yeah turns out, turns out I just had the normal cold and I totally forgot that still uh existed in this post-pandemic yeah. world um, you know, it had been, this was the first time I got sick in like three years since hmm. um yeah since everything in like three years so that was when I first really was like I literally cannot get out of bed for a while so yeah it's yeah. interesting yeah, well, I have it every time I go down to London for work or I go out on a night or I just generally mingle with people. Boom, mm, I've got something. Got um, but this time, yeah, I, I, I don't know if you get this, but basically I've got some lymph nodes in my neck and one under my ear and some and like about three or four on the back of my neck. And whenever I have an infection, they blow up they and blow they up, blow yeah. up first. And they, it's actually... um. It never used to be, but it's become really painful because it's you, you can actually they're now so big you can see them. I don't have to like point them out anymore. People can see like this bulge in the back of my neck. Um, oh wow! Yeah, yes. So it, on one hand, it's great because it's an early warning system. On the other hand, it, it really hurts next to everything else being blocked up and yeah. everything. Um, and also, I find it I find it quite triggering. Um, oh my gosh, hundred percent because they. Yeah. Yeah, that's where 
yeah I mean common sense like the the logical part of my brain goes it's fine you've got an infection you know you have an infection and they do you know it's not like um lumps where they have been there for a long time or don't change they actually change they get bigger and then they get smaller Mm -hmm. that's usually Mm -hmm. the sign of you're in the clear but um yeah yeah, I was uh, it's just I find it quite triggering and then really quite like I don't tend to say anything to you know here at home but I can just feel this extra tension and I think um also I just want to address this because I know like the community mostly listens to this Mm -hmm. and our community had a a bit of a knock um recently oh well (laughs) actually we've had lots of knocks over the summer we we lost um three people over the summer um which you know just never gets easier um um but also recently one of our um well one of the people that has been there with us on day one on our very first meetup um has had a recurrence um, which is very rare to get recurrence like three, four years later, and especially yeah. for someone who was stage one. Um, and I, very. I haven't, I haven't spun out for a long time. I've, I felt like I've been quite good at holding things together, but when I, I read that, I just, I, I got. <laughs> I got uh, it's completely devastating to, you know, we. It's just you never would have think this person would be sick even like after everything they went through and all the numbers and everything it's just so hard to hear Mm. I just found myself getting really angry um really concerned for the for the for this person that I you know I love dearly as well um but but also and and I know that everyone listening will be able to relate and not judge is I also just shitless scared for myself because I went hold on this is not meant to happen like yeah. I, I, stage one, rec- stage one recurrence after three, four years is not is not meant to happen. How was no. this possible? No. Um, so exactly, this was yeah. You get angry and you're scared. Like I'm not in the clear. None of us are in the clear, and that's basically like you know, it's just in our face again to be like, yeah, this it's real. Mm-hmm. Like this can. It's, 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 time. It's like um, it, for me, it's like a seed of doubt now as well because I, yeah, I've got my next totally. yeah, I've got my next checkup in November, and I just know yeah, I'm going to bring it up and say like, and I know they're going to go, but your stats are great, and statistically, this is not meant to happen. Da 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 da. Yeah, they kind of make you feel like you're overreacting. Yeah, absolutely. But I have done something. Um, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so as part of my my job and the volunteer work that I do and the young times work I do I I sort of get invited to quite a lot of meetings and the 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 week after we got this piece of news I was in a meeting um, where there was someone there where I could actually ask some really difficult questions and I just wanted to like raise a flag for us and go hey hello we're here Um, and I I wanted I wanted to ask and, and I hope uh, we'll you know in the future episodes we'll get uh, more healthcare professionals and scientists and things on the podcast with us but I wanted to ask the question okay so you're telling us that recurrences are really rare you're giving us all these stats and, and so on but, but what what is that data where is it like what is it based on 
because as far as I'm aware, and, and, and I'm going to caveat this and say as far as I'm aware, because I am not a healthcare professional, nor am I a scientist, and my internet sleuthing research uh, work is limited in, in my ability, but the, all the data I can get access to is for cancer group tongue cancer, but within that cancer group tongue cancer is cavity tongue, which is the front bit of the tongue, which both me and Jamie had. Then there's um, base of tongue, which is basic, which and um, which includes oropharyngeal, which is the, the the continuation of your tongue that goes down the back of oh, your down, throat. Yeah. And there's also like the bit under your tongue, so in the lining of your mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also HPV positive and HPV negative are all in one big data set group. Although we we know and we know this that people who have HPV positive um, cancers react much better to treatment. Yeah, well, they actually told me that in treatment. Yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah, the, but so they the, know. Yeah, so but the stats, so that we know that, but the stats are still based on both of those patient groups. Altogether, and then together. yeah, and then on top of that, uh, gender is clumped together, and ages are clumped together. So I'm just a bit like, I'm like, well, how can you actually, how can you actually say this when you when this data is just a bit skewed? And what do we need yeah. to do in order to ungroup it? Like, how can we make this happen? Because I, I'm not blaming anyone. I'm not because ultimately our doctors our surgeons our oncologists they can only go by the information that's provided by them but is actually anyone questioning the quality of the data that is being put in front of them and I'm sure I'm sure there are people but but they're just like oh they're like next it's like I feel like we're just it's dusty old paperwork and this is what they have to give you I think that like the 1950s or the 60s about cigarettes and how they were like it wasn't until how many years later, but they're like, well, like, it could be from this. And then they like, it's until someone raises their hand and was like, hey, wait a minute. And that's what we're trying to do here. Because like, yeah, you're right. Like, they it know is. it's different, but they clumps the data together. It is. So, and, and I do hope, <clears throat> thankfully, this, this meeting that might actually have some end results. It's going to take time because, you know, all change seems to take way too long. Um, but we're patient and we're going to continue. But um, yeah. but I do hope, like, yeah. And if anyone is listening who's in that field and can um, shed us a bit, a bit more light, even on history, like historically, why is it like that? Because um, I'm sure there's yeah. a good reason. Quite often, probably something to do with money. But I'm sure there's other reasons why this, um, why it's the way it is. And 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 the other thing, I guess, as a as a community, we mustn't forget is that we are a new community. We are a new newish patient group um it, it, it's only been over the last 15 years that, that there's been this big increase of younger people getting tongue yeah. cancer and and hpv that's, being hpv that didn't really exist yeah that's so strange to think of that we're a new group when i feel like I, we've been living this like it's just weird to think of it like it's so new but yeah, yeah, and, and I guess I we need to allow the the systems to catch up with that. 
But um, yeah, anyhow, sorry. I, I'm going to get yeah. off my soapbox now. <laughs> no, I think that, like, I love that we're playing catch up and we're talking about all this. I think that it's good because, uh, you know, like people are, you know, we, we get messages all the time. Hey, I'm just going through this. I'm just but like new, like new mm. diagnosis as well from, it's just, it's like, we, we have all the, like I'm all, how do they, they know like all these people are coming in saying, I just been diagnosed. I just been diagnosed. Like, don't they see like, where is the person keeping track of this to see that it's just like going up? Mm. And, and, it's, and I see it also like, you know, a, a Facebook group. Um, this it happens every, every few months. This, there's always someone who asks, but why, why is this happening to me? I know. And, and obviously know. you and me, we we've had three, four years of this. We've had time to compute. We have had time to look at different different pieces of research and, and have chats and stuff. But but every time when someone asks, like a new person asks this question, it really pains me because there is no easy answer because yeah. there is no definitive no definitive yeah, answer. There's no answer. It's just... There is no... And, and it's not even like... There is there isn't even an answer out there with all the research. If we were to throw all the money of the world on at this, there is never going to be an answer to why you got this cancer. Yeah, it it's yeah. a a really complicated mix of things, and it's just I don't know. We can't really call it bad luck, but it just sucks. It's just shit. And oh, the, that's what my that's what exact the words my surgeon said to me. Hmm everybody has cancer and you're just this is your luck to get it here mm. like okay and you know even my surgeon I talked to him every three months and he was like hey I was on the New York Post and I came across your article and I'm like hey why does that face look familiar you know I'm just one of the faces of how many people he goes through right and he recognized he's like yeah nobody talks about tongue cancer so I think it's really cool what you're doing I'm like thank you would you like to be on our show (laughs) (laughs) speaking of Um, our show um we've become really conscious that we don't want to like keep you waiting for like one or two months every time we put out an episode (laughs) sorry 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 um so so jamie and i we're still going to continue in this format but we're gonna divide and conquer as well to give you a bit of extra content so in the near future there will be some episodes which will be hosted by jamie with a guest and some that will be hosted by me with a guest um and we will then regularly come back together and have a catch-up together <laughs> to yeah, talk about our experience and other things yeah this so, is our growing of the podcast and trying to make it more uh efficient i don't know i'm like routine regular. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um, oh, but, so obviously like, we're, but... we're both you know we're both got commitment we both got commitments, but we also live on the other side of the world from yeah. each other. <laughs> so to make this happen, we you know. Yeah. We do a lot for you guys, but this is like the catch up episode. We want to get you guys we wanna let you know exactly like this is what we've been doing. The big news is that we are a charity now and um, you know, we wanna do more episodes and it is hard for us being on the different sides of the world, but we're Barbara will be doing one. I'll do one that we'll do it together. We just want to get more content out for you guys. And we also want, 
you know, input, like, what would you like to hear? Do you have, you know, do you want to come on and talk about, tell your story? We would love that, be a guest. So, you know, this is, we want to make it about you guys and how we can get more stories out there and how we can build the community and get, yeah, more eyes on this and get the data going because this is, we have to conquer it. The more we are, the more that people know, it's going to get, going to get a fire under their butts to be like hey yeah why why is this happening absolutely and we're um we also got this young tongues fund going with oracle cancer trust a little shout out to our partners the uk head and neck cancer charity that focuses uh, amongst many other things on cancer research um, head and neck cancer research and we're building a fund with them to firstly help us um run the young tongues so as individuals, we don't have to keep paying things, which is great. Now that we're a charity, yeah. we really shouldn't be doing that anymore. Um, but also that all the surplus money. So we have a budget a year to run the group, but then anything above that actually goes um, towards tongue cancer research uh, or research that will benefit young tongue cancer patients. Um, and that could be lots of different types of research. It could be um, early uh, research so funding PhDs um, but it could also be re- related to data and getting better data or it could be related to getting better aftercare and, and finding out more about the late effects and the, the dental problems and the lymphedema and all, everything else that comes with this uh, yeah. lovely gift yeah. uh, I don't even, even know how else to say it <laughs> so yeah um, I'm just conscious though of the time because last episode we had the lovely Hannah on and we spoke about our time in the hospital and we just wanted to do like continuing on the theme we just wanted to have a little chat about this really strange period of the first couple of weeks after surgery when you're back home um and and Jamie for you it will be very different because you had the whole covid thing Mm -hmm. going on at the same time what was it like for you um so coming home from the hospital um because they needed i was supposed to stay longer in the hospital but because they needed the beds for covid um so just to remind everyone in march i had my surgery march 2020 and it was right at the top of the peak of covid and the shutdown happening so everybody's still in that very panic and day-by-day operations um so when I was in the hospital they wanted me to say you're supposed to stay for two weeks but I got out of there gosh I want to say a week I can't maybe it was earlier than that and so they had to teach my husband how to do all the stuff to take care of me at home they needed the bed for COVID patients so I got kind of like okay you got you got it good well we're gonna put you on hospice so someone can come to your house at the point that point I didn't know what hospice meant they literally put me in a wheelchair they piled I had like cardboard boxes it looked like I was moving out I had cardboard boxes of the stuff that they put in the feeding tube like the shakes you know the little shakes and I was holding them and they had me in the wheelchair and then they're like oh yeah you need to go get your meds from the pharmacy downstairs I'm like how am I what boxes that like so they're like, oh, we'll get someone to push you. They wouldn't let John in. Anyway, I thought it was really funny. I had like all these boxes. You couldn't see my head. Feeding tube. They were making me hold it. And they just wheeled me out to this car. Get home. And then it's, um, yeah, it's it, it's nice, but also difficult. Because I'm like, 
I don't know what is it is this good is this bad I have no one to come check my check on me it's just my husband who learned how to do feed me through a feeding tube by um FaceTime with a nurse that was there so I was on they put me on hospice and so I had a nurse come the next day and it was really weird having somebody come into our home because my husband was so panicked about she's from the hospital or you know she's going to all these different houses and helping but I also I needed someone to change the bandage on my leg, which I forget. I had everything going on here. I forgot about the skin graft on my leg. So she had to do that. It was just kind of, I feel like it was a blur, but like, I remember certain, like I heavily medicated trying to figure out the feeding tube. I would safety pin it to my shirt because it only would be like, if I turned my head, it was stitched into my nose. So if I turned my head a certain way, it would pull the stitches. It was terrible. And it was thick. It wasn't like a tiny tube like you think it was like a big old it was like a milkshake straw like a, a boba straw that's what I'm trying to say <laughs> yeah and it was, it was gross but it was just very much like now I was at home and and then the hospice for people coming in and my husband like not knowing what he was doing but I made it through it's one of those like things but yours was different yeah mine, like, but, yeah mine was different but before we go to that, like, how did your kids react seeing you? They uh, they were scared of me. They did not want to see me, and that was really hard. So I had all the, you know, and I had my neck. Oh, I had, like, tubes. I didn't know I had a tube coming out of my head here, like, right behind my ear. And so I had tubes there. Tubes, like, I looked scary, and I understood that, and I couldn't talk, and they didn't. So they stayed downstairs, I think, for a long time before they were able to talk to me. Mm. But I, it was just. It was a weird time. It was sad. I felt sad that I scared them. And then I didn't know if I'd be able to talk to them again. Mm. But it all it all got, it was fine in the end. But in that time, it was just like, I, yeah, no, they're, I don't want to scare them. So I would stay upstairs in the room a lot. And I had my um, my in-laws were, talk, were taking care of them. So they moved in with you then? Mm-hmm. they stayed because my parents at the time were sick and so they couldn't it was you know my husband couldn't do it on his own so he was like oh I'll bring my parents in and thank god he did because he had to take care of, like he had a chart and everything because the hospice nurse I think came two times and then she was like you're good I can't come anymore like that's good and then um yeah he just did everything on his own mm-hmm Oh God, Jamie, we, we're going to have to um, do an episode dedicated dedicated to the little ones in all of this. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's, it's a stay. Oh, good. We oh, made good. it through. We made it through. We made it through. <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm oh, curious. So to I'm so talk glad to them about it. Yeah, I'm. I'm so glad they didn't um, sew the feeding tube to my nose. Oh, like I can when you describe it, I can feel it because that thing used to yank all the time. Yeah. And oh. it was just like a, a jolt of pain if like yeah. I tried another way. So even like I would safety pin it to my shirt where I was like, I needed to just stay in this position. But then when I took a shower, I was like, mm-hmm. I like, so hair was not washed for, I don't know. Oh, no, no. Hair was not washed for a really long time. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what am I going to do with this? Oh, Boy, I don't know about you, but I can lift my arms. So I had the, the left arm was. Oh, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't lift my I left arm because of the neck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, they they nipped a little thing in the back in my back 
um, oh, nice. shoulder, right. which which is really common, by the way. Loads of people have that, and 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 thankfully, most people do oh. regain the whole movement. But if you yeah. were to move it, it's probably because they nipped nicked your things as well. Yeah, and I, I wasn't able to move it, but I did OT, like um, I did PT for that, and it was yeah, yeah. That's now, I can, thing, like, I don't, I don't remember. and I can um, sorry, I can hear like surgeons shouting at the uh at the podcast right now telling us exactly what that little nerve thing is that they accidentally snip now and again sorry <laughs> don't know what it's called <laughs> it's something in the in like yeah something to do with the neck dust section in the back um but yeah no my um uh, experience was very different um yeah. yeah so I actually I was in hospital about the same amount of time however I have a feeling because I was stage one and I only had a partial glossectomy. So that means like a quarter of my tongue removed. Um, mm-hmm. That might have made a big difference. Also, did you have a trike or not? I didn't. You didn't know me neither. So uh, yeah. swelling, swelling came down quite quickly. Um, but yeah, I also had the skin graft on the leg. I had the arm and the arm was problematic because only half of the graft was taking the other side was not so every time we lifted the the bandages I, I basically I could see into my arm um <clears throat> yeah oh, would you say it was going to be like um I would yeah that, it's a spooky, spooky me. game this is like the saw game I didn't sign up for no no <laughs> no no um but yeah but we and I I think I mentioned in the last uh episode sorry it's so long ago how I kept fainting um so yes. yeah so I was meant to go home a bit earlier and then I kept fainting because I was a bit of a drama queen and then eventually I was okay to go home and we I was so excited uh so excited to go home I think it were, was I know I always think it was Valentine's Day but it actually wasn't but I was so out on drugs that I thought it was Valentine's Day. <laughs> that's okay yeah, it's okay and I yeah I remember them packing me up in the wheelchair and then put me in the car and then Nick driving the the slowest of slow because was it far away from where you live was it a long car ride not really but our oh. our roads aren't very smooth mm. like um yeah it's it's a yeah. bit like it will yeah. shake you through so um and especially the speed bumps which was uh, you know very difficult oh. when you're like don't want to move um anyhow we yeah. got home and I was all happy and it was all good for about three hours. And then everything started to go wrong. Um, so the first thing that happened was I got this rash um, over my entire body. And it was an itchy rash. The medication? Did you have yes. a reaction? Yeah. Oh, so no. I basically had a reaction to the pain meds at some point. Um, okay. Yeah, within uh, within yeah. three hours of being home and being perfectly fine. Oh my gosh! Of and course we, you did. Yeah, and then top to bottom, I I flare up in this rash, oh. and it was it was it drove me nuts, and I, I just did wanted you go to go back to hospital. Well, did you funnily enough, so the ward I was on gave us a phone number to call if we had a problem. Okay. And then when yeah. they called and said, we have a problem, they were like, oh, no, no, you've been discharged of our care. We can't help you anymore. And we're like, you're kidding. So where do we go? And it was, and also, this, of course, these things always happen on a weekend because I got discharged on a Friday. So it was, by this point, 
um, it was Saturday. And I also have to sort of just explain to people that Nick, my husband, was in total control of all my medication, which I was getting every two hours and something else every two hours. And it was really important not to mix it up because otherwise he could accidentally OD. (laughs) Um, It was just that, yeah, and and bless him. And we we still have the little book where he, like, meticulously wrote down. Because without it, you can't. You just can't cope. It just doesn't, doesn't work. Um, so we're doing that and then it was the next day and they said no um, and and the the doctor's surgery like your normal doctors was closed as well because it's a Saturday so we had to go to A&E which is accident and emergency the trouble is it's February so it's peak so it's the it's the time of year you do not want to go to accident of emergency and we got there bearing in mind I am less than 24 hours out of hospital. I can barely walk. And they made me wait four hours in a waiting room. No. Full of sick people. And and I was somebody messed up. Yeah, it was really messed up. And I was sitting there and I was crying. I was crying. I mean, I I was good for a really like I think hour number three. I was close to breaking and I was just sitting there. So at this point you weren't on any payments because you didn't know what your reaction, if it was a reaction to it. Well, no, we continued with that, but but I I wouldn't have, I was barely able to walk five meters. I I should have been tucked up in bed watching friends. I shouldn't have been sitting. And also bearing in mind, I have open wounds on my arm. I have wounds on my leg. I have wounds on my I can feel like the hour after hour, like oh my god, and getting like I would start to panic. I, I just it was just it was so. I can't believe that four hours open wound. Yeah, and 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 I didn't even I this is I didn't even think about this at the time in terms of the infection risk. And just imagine they had put me in a private room for five days because of the infection risk. And then yeah, the system, like a, a seal type room, right? The yeah. aerosol, yeah. And, and then the system, because it's broken, makes me go and sit with hundreds of sick people with germs oh everywhere. Anyhow, I eventually, I eventually get seen, and they were like, "Yeah, this is a reaction to pain meds, so we need to really come off that as quick as possible." But obviously, you couldn't just come off it because that wasn't working either. And in the end, I just went home with nothing they couldn't offer me anything oh my so god they just all so the only angry. advice yeah and and we we're like okay okay uh, um uh. so I went home and I just tried my best not to scratch and ignore it and then so I was at home I finally sort of got my strength back watching the tv this was a Saturday evening by this point and we had some we had some food you know some soft food because unlike you my um my feeding tube had been taken out in the hospital so I was able oh. to go home yeah without okay and then, and then I, I remember we were watching tv and I suddenly went oh yes and basically I got really excited <laughs> because I had a bowel movement 
um, which I had been waiting for, like, for over a week. So, you know, you get excited. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. For over a week? Yeah. Yeah. Since the op, I hadn't gone. So no. they don't, they don't, it's not like a requirement to have a movement before you leave the hospital? Or is that just for, like, babies? I can't remember. <laughs> no. So apparently you should. That is something they should check. It is something that they forgot with me. Oh, it's something now. I don't think that was a thing. I think they were just like hurry up and get out because there were so much. But yeah, different maybe with COVID. They just wanted okay. to get out as quick as possible. But anyway, no one really ever asked. Um, okay. And I was going to the toilet as in like for other business, but I hadn't had a bowel movement. And yeah, I felt like, something, you know, when you feel your tummy like something drop and you're like, oh, yeah. So I excitedly went to the toilet, <laughs> sat down, and then was, oh no, oh no. So oh. one of the things they didn't tell me is the impact of op- opioids on your digestive system, um, as in constipation. And I just realised I was. I, I must admit I was absolutely terrified because this is not really something that's ever happened to me before and I just suddenly realized that what was trying to come out of me was bigger than the the exit area Um, oh no 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 and and I I called Nick and I was panicked oh my god what am I gonna do and he's like well well," he then called the 111 service which is a a phone uh, number you can call for medical emergencies but like not like an ambulance but more to get advice you know oh yeah like we have that like an advice nurse that you can call exactly yeah and it's like a national service and I have to admit um they have a bit of a bad rep but for me they were quite helpful and Nick was like on the phone to this person and they were like trying they he said like they want you to describe it I was like what do you mean I was like well you need feel and touch and describe it and I was like I what and at that point, I was like, like, I'm, I'm quite a prude person already. So I was like, you, okay, okay, right. Fiance, husband to be, I am now going to describe to you. Okay. So I reached up and to my horror, I can only describe it to you as if there was like a stone and like it felt like a watermelon, but it was rock solid and it felt round and massive. And I and I was just like, this is not this is not going to come out of me. Like they're going to have to like slice open my belly and 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 pull it out the other way. There's no way. Oh my god! Out of me. Um, and then there, he was also texting his mum, and then his mum arrived. Texting his mum. Oh. I know my, my mother-in-law arrived, and and bless her, she made she she really she just wanted to help because she could hear Nick's panic, she could hear my distress. And she had like these um, these pouches that should help, but they only help when you had them like five hours before. Not yeah, when you're like, in there. How was that going to help when it's already four? Like it's supposed to be before. Yeah, and I don't think she realised. But I could hear her voice, and I just went. I said her name. I said, "I love you, but I need you to leave now." <laughs> like this is already like oh my god this is like a skit from like bridesmaids or something oh my or like, god it was horrendous the worst thing then so this one 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 service they were like well you just have to wait and you know 
just just keep going. We'll we'll call you. We'll go and get a doctor. We'll call you back. But they don't like call you back straight away. They don't call you back for hours. And yeah. I basically stay like once I was sat down, I couldn't get up anymore because oh. my st- then I had like these stomach cramps. So I was oh oh yeah yeah because yeah. it can't move. Oh my god! And I'm just panicking and like well, what? I was make I was making birthing sounds. If I ever give birth, we know exactly what sound I will make. And it sounded a bit like a walrus because it was the only way I could cope with the pain was to just like try and breathe and make these ridiculous sounds and noises. And I was just, I was so, I was, I was so at my wit's end. And I remember like the, the embarrassment and all of that, because it's like a part of your body that you know, oh, sure. yeah, super. yeah, and I, yeah, and also in front of the person that you love, and and also I think, I think now it'd be slightly different because we're married, but we were like newly engaged. There was meant to be like some sexiness still surrounding us. Well, that totally. killed off. Totally. And anyway. um, anyhow, so um, so this was around ten p.m. Around three a.m. Um, the one 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 service said, "Right, no, you. She's not gonna resolve that by herself. She needs to go to accident and emergency again for the second time in twenty four hours." Um, and and basically, but um, because I I couldn't stand up, they were like, "Well, how are we going to get me there?" And they said, "Well, they don't didn't have an ambulance available until eleven a.m." the next day like another six seven hours and I was just at that point I was just like I can't I, I'm I'm gonna die here I'm gonna this is not this is not good something's gonna explode one way or the other and uh, it was like I felt like internally the, the stomach cramps were probably still going and going because it's like there's no escape route yeah, I also, I'm not a physician because I, I didn't know, could this get dangerous? Could like internally something like rip? Um, and I was just like, you know, so we said, we'll, we'll make our own way up there. So Nick got me in the car, put all the seats down, basically like a dog, oh. in the boot and laid across because I couldn't, I, yeah, oh. I couldn't. Oh, the upright. No. I, could, I couldn't go from standing into seating. Um, and then, yeah, basically, highly illegally driving, but we drove very, very slowly. And to be fair, it was 3 a.m. in the morning. There was no traffic. Um, drove up to A&E. And thankfully, they were expecting us. Um, okay, good. And walked in. And then I realized, oh my God, it's three, four o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night. So, I was surrounded by ravers, like people had gone out getting drunk and had accidents or whatever. I was just surrounded by young drunk people who had like glitter oh. on their face oh. and looked like they had <laughs> a really good night out that just ended, unfortunately. Oh. And there's me thinking, I, f- I, just, I just felt so small and I felt so embarrassed. And then, of course, the doctor that comes and see me is like a really hot young oh of course bloke which I was just like really really can you just like not send oh me the thrump, thrumpy woman please 
<laughs> oh no. Yeah, and we, I was sort of lying there and we were discussing what we could do. And and then he's like, look, your past, but beyond, there, there's nothing we can give you to make this better other than a, an enema. And sorry, I'm I'm laughing because every time I say the word, word or hear the word enema, in my brain it goes, da 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 um, and I, I think that was my response. I just went, yeah, the just just delirious by then. I was just like, oh yeah, I don't care. Just, just do what you have to do. I, I can't believe this is really happening. Yeah, To me, to a thirty-two-year-old, and by the way, they don't tell you about this chick show no pun intended, when they diagnose you with cancer. Nobody no. prepares you for this. I, um, no, no. Mm-mm. So so we did do that. And the only thing I did say is like, Nick, you're allowed to hold my hand, but you need to turn around because there needs to be at least a little bit. <laughs> oh, my God. He was in there with you? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, but you say in there. There were no oh. walls. No, but as they go, oh, yeah, because you're not in a room. You're in, like, the little curtain, right? They do yeah. it. And, and not just that. These curtains aren't really, I mean, anyone can, like, swing their head by. I, I did not feel, it, it, I did not feel like we had any type of privacy. Because also you can hear what's happening. Oh, my God. Oh, next yeah, door, for sure. Which is, like, a meter away from you. Um, so, no, I was just beyond, I was, by this point, I was so embarrassed I wasn't embarrassed anymore because I was just like, get this thing out of me. Yeah, you're just in so much pain. You're like, fuck it. Like, I don't care. Like, yeah. oh my God. We were waiting for this thing to work and then it turned out that they only had one toilet in A&E. What? I know. How did this get worse? It's getting worse. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, oh yeah, this is kicking in now. I said, like, I need, I need to go. I need to go now. And obviously, it wasn't free. And I said, like, Oh my god, I, I can't bloody believe this. And thankfully, oh the person god. just came out. Out, I ran in. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what I had to do. But then I didn't realize you go the other way and you don't stop. You can't stop. So, and it's not like you're regular. It, it was just, it was just horrific it was just you know what spooky season this is the the perfect metaphor for it because it was it was a massacre and and then I had to like Nick had to come in to help yeah and then like and 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 then he I said that right okay I I sort of he went back outside because I was still going and then I realized oh my god I can't I can't leave here. Like I can't. I can't guarantee that when I stand up, it'll stop. I'll be okay. So he then had to go on the hunt for some adult nappies, which he brought to me. Um, oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Also, I had my my clothing during the enema it hadn't been like removed, removed. So there was it was it was messy as well. We we didn't have any changes so he also went to get my find myself a pair of scrubs so I would have something to appear in um and yeah so by six o'clock in the morning 
I was sitting in the car with an adult nappy on in scrubs, having sweated buckets with an open wound on my arm, a open wound on my leg, a wound on my neck, totally exhausted and covered in an itchy rash. There's a, like, it it breaks the 48 hours from hell. It was, and I, I honestly, at that point, I was on my knees. I was so humbled by that. And I was just... You must have slept for like days after that, like ha- like all of that at once, all of everything and all of it at once. Well, the good thing is I was so exa- exhausted. I was actually able to sleep for a few hours, even with the itchy rash. But you know what it's like when you come back from hospital, you can't just like lay in a bed. Nick wasn't yeah. able to share a bed with me. We had to like prop no. up. It was like prop up, prop up castle, arm up, leg yep. up. And, and, uh, and, and nothing's, no, nothing's comfortable. And then stuff just itches and bothers you. And it, yeah, it's, I, I, I don't quite know how I made it through that period, but obviously I did because I'm still here. But that was like a moment where I was crying and laughing at the same time, feeling oh totally gosh. humbled and feeling also like a lot of shame and embarrassment. And and oh. I know I didn't have to, but I know like anyone would have said like it's understandable. I know, but you're I get it. It's still like yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, it is a lot. It is a lot. Um, and yeah, so the days then went by. Um, so we had the Sunday. I think we had a relatively quiet day, and then Monday Nick had to go back to work. Um, but oh. I had a yeah, uh, but I had a friend. Thankfully, that was um a Swiss friend, a really good friend of mine. He used to be a nurse, so she came and stayed with me for like for a couple of nights. And just helped me. And then thankfully, um, so we had, we got another appointment with a general practitioner about the rash because I was like, this is, because it didn't let go. It just didn't let loose. And we went to go and see this, this other doctor, which isn't my usual doctor. And he was an absolute, another just useless piece of work. And he just sent me home with some mint, mint sauce, basically, mint cream. What? Yeah, like, cause mint, like, cools it. So I was putting that on. And I, honestly, it helped for like four seconds. It, it gave like release, but then came back even harder. Because I guess you have the release. You go, Oh my God, good. And then yeah. it just came back way harder. And I was oh. like, I can't, I can't. And I think it was, yeah, it was Tuesday by this point. Cause it was her last night staying over. And I was just. At the end of my table, I was devastated that I was like, I cannot, I cannot. We need something better for this rash. And again, we called the one 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 service, who this time went like, right, you you've been through enough. We'll put you straight through to a doctor. And then oh we were God. able to go and see the out of hours doctor um, in the city. Um, and we went there. Um, and you know what? They straight away put me into like a uh, isolation room to make sure I didn't have to sit with everyone else. Sorry. I, I am laughing because I can see you struggling with your dogs. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I don't want them to bark and they're just like, ah. 
met. No, all good. Anyhow, oh, okay. straight away put me in an isolation room, which is really great. And then we got introduced and it was a junior doctor. So it was like someone who's basically fresh out of school. Um, and, and the good thing with that is he, he was on no, he was on no clock because all the, the grown up doctors, they can only spend a certain amount of time with a patient. So they're always under pressure to sort of see you, treat you, get. Yeah. I kind of like the younger ones because they're also like, you know, they're fresh on like every, all the procedures of what to do. It's kind of, it can, it's kind of nice. Exactly. And he was totally textbook and he asked every, I mean, bless him. He, he really did ask every question. <laughs> and, and he was supervised by someone else. And in the end, he, I could see him like his face was like crunching up. And he said like, well, you know, the thing is, according to what we need to do, we, we can't give you anything else because we can't, because of your wounds and stuff like. Yeah, he's well, probably like. Yeah, he was oh. like, we really can't. And then he sort of looked at his mentor and his mentor got up and said, I'm, I'm just going to intervene. And he sort of praised the junior doctor, said, you did all your right assessments. However, think on this occasion. And he, he, he said, I think this girl has been enough, has been through enough. Let's up the ante. And, and he, he actually used the words, we're going to give you, we're going to do a sledgehammer. And as soon as he said the word sledgehammer, I was like, yes, because um, I think I've mentioned it in previous episodes, the, the song Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel. Yeah, he, he he always comes up in random places. And when you said that word, Nick and I looked at each other and we just smiled and we're like, yes, yes. Wow. And he, he basically gave me a massive dose of steroids, just like a one-off. And it, I remember it was like a ridiculous amount yeah, of tablets. That's exactly what you needed. Yeah, and, and within six hours, the rash was gone. Oh my God. And I had relief. And that was the first, that was the first oh. moment that I was actually able to start recovering. Yeah. And healing. You had been in like, I feel like you've been in the spider flight mode for like, or <laughs> Alvin, like, I, I mean, it was, I feel like this is real life. It, yeah. It was like, it was seven days in hospital. And then it was another five days after hospital. And actually, that, that was, it was more horrific after. It was worse because we didn't have yeah. the help. We didn't have anyone to ask to go, is this normal? You know, is, is this? Uh, yeah, um, it's terrifying. Yeah. And, and also the other big thing, and I think this applies to young patients. You don't want to make a fuss. Like you want to be like, mm-hmm. you know, you want to be the perfect patient. You don't want to make a fuss. And we also, I don't think, especially that early on, we don't quite know how to advocate for ourselves or we don't realize that the system requires us to advocate for ourselves. Like no one's going to help you unless you shout, unless you make some noise and unless you use the right terminology, the right phrasing to describe what you're going through. Um, and that, I think that was a really steep learning curve then. There was some other stuff that happened, um, during my recovery, which I look back now and think there's no way that should have been allowed to happen. So I know you mentioned you had like hospice care. You had someone come in and yeah. show you how to change. Um, yeah. so I, I, 
I didn't have um yeah I didn't have any hospice care and um in the hospital they've got like a plastic surgeon surgery ward and Mm -hmm. the first time I went there to change my bandages and they did that and then they said right you now need to get in touch with your doctor and a local nurse has to do it which makes total sense I was like yep that's cool that's fine and they said and basically you'll go once to the local nurse and then you come to us local nurse to us so just so they can keep an eye on it but yeah like that yeah and and because it needs changing so frequently and also because half of my skin grafts didn't take we knew this was going to take a longer time okay to heal um but then I called my local doctor's office and they didn't have the type of nurse required to deal with these type of bandages or whatever you want to you know that type of skill set I said okay and and they said well they said then yo you need to go back to the hospital and they really need to look after you there because they've got the expertise um and so I got like batted backwards and forwards a few times and in the end they said well the hospital didn't really want to know anything and then my local surgery went like we're really sorry the only other option you have is to go into the drop-in center so the drop-in center yeah so the drop-in center in the UK it's like in the city center and it's basically anyone who hasn't got a a general practitioner can just go rock up at any time without okay yeah you just go there the problem is you will always end up waiting two to three hours, especially in winter. And also you are, so it's basically the same like going to A&E. Um, yeah. So I, I went there. So firstly, I couldn't drive, obviously. Uh, Nick had to go back to work. So I walked there. I wasn't capable of walking there in one go. So it would take me two hours to get there because I would have to stop at like two coffee shops before I then could make the whole length um we're talking about like a a 40 minute walk usually but that was just not I couldn't do it in one go Um, and and by that point we were so skint because I just suddenly didn't have an income we couldn't afford to just pay for taxis left right and center so yeah, I went there. And the trouble is, if you don't get there at the crack of dawn, you're in the queue. Yeah. I could barely get myself out of bed. I could barely, you know, I, could, I couldn't dress myself, let alone get there for 7 a.m. So that was never going to happen. So I always got there for around lunchtime-ish um, or early afternoon. Um, and then I would get treated like everyone else. I would give in a little ticket and I would have to sit down in the waiting room and on average, I waited two hours. And I remember the first time I went and this first nurse, she she basically went, holy crap, what, what do you want me to do? <laughs> I said, well, they said, because she was like, but you you have like limbs in different places. You have like, no, she's like, I don't want to. And in the end, I said, like, no one will touch this. Like, I need someone. Oh my to gosh. So she was like, look, I'm just telling you, I've never dealt with anything like this before. I'll do my best. They didn't even have the right size bandages. So first they were too small. That didn't work. Have to whip it back off. Thing. They only had like massive ones. Um, and they really, they did what they, they were so lovely and they did the best. 
but it really was again the worst place for me to be because they didn't they didn't have isolation places to sit on I was just sat with the general public with people who are there because they have a flu because they are ill because they're throwing up because their child is having a fever like and I'm like just fresh out of like 12 hour surgery it's just not clever that is bizarre that they did not they knew that your bandages would have to be changed by a nurse or someone who and they didn't set that up with you when you left hospital like and and it was like you get a letter and then oh like like that's like crazy that you basically had to sit like for us like that's like an urgent care or like no that would be the emergency room because urgent care here in america would not even have the capability to deal with an open wound like that mm-hmm. so you would be sent to the emergency room like what every other week you had to have it changed yeah well no oh. because it was it was um twice a week to start off with oh my god by a nurse like you couldn't do it like no, no, I, I yeah. couldn't do it. No, and, and they and sent also you I, home without setting it up. Like I couldn't, that. I couldn't do it for for several reasons. But the main reason I couldn't do it is because the first couple of weeks, maybe even three weeks, I could still see into my arm. Yeah, like that, that bandage would come off my mind, and I could see my veins and my. And it would. I mean, yeah. I, um, not I. I was not. No, I just could not. Nah. I, I would look away and go, you do what you have to do. And I would deep bravely and, but yeah, so I had to do that like twice a week. Um, well, twice a week, one week, then once another week and then twice a week again, because I'd see the hospital in between. And I did also, when I was at the hospital, I sort of asked, but I didn't go, this is unacceptable. I didn't advocate for myself. I just went like, no, you're exhausted. You just want to, please help me. And I want to go home. Yeah. I, and, and it wasn't just, the, it wasn't even just the exhaustion because let's, let's camp this together. It takes me two hours to get there. I wait two hours. Then I'm seen for like 30 minutes. And then it takes me another two hours to go home. This is a whole day, right? Whole day. There's a whole day when I'm meant to be just chilling <laughs> yeah. and just healing. Um, and you, and that twice a week, um, yeah. And, but but this is really the psychology, and this is I really want to labour this point because for anyone who's uh, about to go into this or is still early on and might recognise there's some sort of it, I I didn't complain, I really didn't, and I sort of took it on like a badge of honour, like I can do this, I'm fine, I'm gonna I'm gonna right. be this really great, awesome patient, I'm not gonna be difficult, I'm not gonna be demanding. But actually, firstly, it was really dangerous and I could have done myself some real damage. Yeah. Secondly, it was catastrophic for my recovery because I do believe my long-term fatigue really wasn't helped by doing way too much that early on. And, and yes, you want to, you know, you want to be strong. You want to be battling this or, you know, fight this. But... It comes as a price, and and I, I really think as a community of young patients, we need to really learn early on that we have the right to advocate for ourselves, mm-hmm. and that certain things are acceptable, for, and and what that acceptability will be it depends on the individual, but things that are not acceptable, we should be able to say that without fearing the repercussions 
Because that's the other thing. Like, I, yeah, if I say something, am I, are they going to talk and now they're not going to give me the care that I need because I'm yeah. difficult? Yeah. 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 And, and, and I would love to say that that never ran through my mind, but it did. Because oh. like my team, my multidisciplinary team, they are lovely and they are really cool, but they're also dudes. They're all men. And I don't want to be a whiny woman. I want to be their star patient. So I just never mm. said anything. And I'm, I'm sure now looking back and having got, gotten to know them for four years, you know, I am sure they would have been quite happy. They would have gone, oh, what? What? That's happening? Like, I don't know if my surgeon actually knows that's the procedure that I went through after. I think if he knew, he'd be really flipping annoyed because of all the hard work they did to make sure. Oh, my sure. gosh, yeah. Yeah. And, and all, you know, he's the kind of guy that looks at my tongue and goes, oh, marvellous. He's really proud yeah. of his work. <laughs> so can you imagine if he would have known that we were, like, putting extra risks at it? Oh, my gosh. He would, yeah. yeah. He would be, I would hope he would be upset by it. Yeah. Like, that is completely unacceptable. Like, they sent you home without, like, oh, yeah, that it, it seriously could have, you could have gotten really injured and set, like, the infection. Like, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of things that could have happened. I mean, a lot did, but just I mean, think of it. to be fair, like, I did end up having an infection seven or nine months after surgery in my face. We'll, we'll talk about that one in detail that's another right. time. Oh, I don't know if we already had. Yeah, that. so we have. I remember. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that was another horror that story. Was, yeah, you have definitely checked the box on the the as a oozing open wound horror infection. <laughs> <laughs> I There's me trying like, to see the patient, perfect patient. I was like, no, it's just ugh. it's just that is just horrific to me that like if I think about like having to walk two hours to have to get to a place where someone's supposed to help me and then they opened up the bandage and were like well what do you want me to do like yeah actually, I, I would have broke down I would have been like no I have to walk that no, like, I mean, so, so she was never gonna let me leave without sorting it out but I could see the horror and the fear it was more the fear because it's also yeah. like, this is a very sensitive area and you're a nurse, so I'm very nervous here. I need you to fake it. Fake it, please. Yeah. She <laughs> couldn't even do that. She opened that up and she was like, oh, it wasn't yeah. even like. Yeah. No, no, totally, totally. So, yeah. So that's that was like the immediate aftermath. Wow. After. I think after that, I must admit, everything gets, the timelines get really confused because I can't remember. Yeah. Because sometimes it felt like I made really quick progress and then everything really slowed down. Um, wow. And I think we should do like a, a whole episode about the recovery itself because like for me, I was then recovering from the surgery, but you recovered for a little bit and then you had to go into radiation. Yeah. yeah. So and, it was like um, with my recovery... Another thing I wanted to touch on while I was in the hospital during this crazy time of COVID and how I could tell from the nurses um, how stressed out 
they were and then dealing with me and they were like why is she in an airtight room oh she already had a test and this was early on march 2020 early on where tests weren't available like every day all that um and i could tell when they were taking care of me like and you could hear everyone coughing in the ward and at this time i don't know which ward i was on and they were just keep bringing people into the hospital and putting them wherever a bed was available and I remember they were stressed out. And I remember like I had, you know, so much going on, but I also had like the feeding tube. I felt like really stuffy. And like I like I felt like I had like stuff in my throat. Like I wanted to clear my throat and I couldn't. And then I couldn't communicate that like I just want to blow my nose or cough. And like I'd have a different nurse come in and like they're like, huh? What? What do you mean? Like they needed me to be faster because they're on like this pace. I was like, I, I can't communicate. I'm trying to grab my phone, my iPad, trying to write to them. Like I want to blow my nose. And they're like, you can't do that. And then I was like, I'm going to like at one point I was like, oh my God, what if I get COVID? What if I have COVID? Because in surgery, everything was open up and they were all over me. And what if I have it now? And I have to clear my throat. What if it's like the cough and now it's going to go? My like I had like these intrusive thoughts of that. And I was just like, turns out it was just. I had surgery on my neck and my mouth. Of course, I had like gut, like, yeah, the bit. So like I did this, like kind of like I was trying to, I was panicked and I just did like this. And you know, like the kidney shaped tray or whatever. I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like this little, like this little male nurse came up and just held it. And like, it looked like slugs, like coming up, like the direct, like coagulated blood just coming up. And he was like, oh, it's a big one. I was like, okay. I, I was like, okay, I don't feel like I have to cough or anything. So that was like, but I remember panicking up to that. Like they were in and out. They were, and they would talk about me and I could hear them, but then I couldn't say anything. And it was just weird. Mm-hmm. But then when they told me like, you know, it's up, like, you know, like we need this bed. So if you feel like you can do this, it was kind of like, do you feel like you can do this? Because we need this bed for people who are dying of COVID. We need this here. Can you do it? That's also another pressure being like, of course I can. I'm yeah, like, yeah, I can do this. And then not realizing I had an open wound on the back of my head and on my neck. And of course my mouth, that's the only one I was like really aware of. But, you know, my neck had all this stuff going on in my head. And then my leg I go and I go oh yeah that's right my leg like I remember being discharged out of the hospital and I'm like trying to put my clothes on I had like stuff coming out and I was like um and there was like someone in the room and I come out of the bathroom and I was like I couldn't put my underwear on and she I thought it was a nurse but it was um a janitor she was there to clean the room because they needed me out like so fast I was like oh but I was like she couldn't tell what I said because I was like and it's like mom Oh, but in my head, I think that, like, she knows what I said. And she just looked at, like, doesn't even care. It was weird. And then they put me in a wheelchair with a bunch of boxes and moved me out. (laughs) That's just mental. It is just mental. Yeah, it's just... I remember... I wouldn't be be surprised that if, like, healthcare professionals who might be listening to this, we never know who actually listens. But, like... I wouldn't be surprised if quite a lot of them get in a bit of PTSD because they remember that time mm. of uncertainty and that time of devastation and stress, but yeah. also, but also the guilt. Like I'm just thinking about myself here. If I, they, the, 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 the healthcare professionals were put 
and, and everyone else, like the janitors and, and everyone else that worked in hospice were put in those extreme situations. And their foremost job is to like usually take their time and care and, and do this. Yeah, and they you might know. feel, yeah, that's tough. They might feel a little bit. Mm. I, I can feel that in the UK at the moment because we oh, we okay. haven't really recovered from COVID and there's strikes and there's all sorts going on. And, and I mm. can really empathize like, I, 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 I pers- personally, this is my personal view. So I, I fully support the strikes and I'm just like, yeah, because <laughs> this is not right. You, you've saved all of us. Yeah. You sacrificed yeah. so much. You have all these, um, I'm not surprised there's so many people with mental health problems because they are trying to negotiate through all these feelings of probably an awful lot of guilt that they haven't, weren't able to provide the type or the quality of care that they would have expected from themselves. Yeah, under extreme circumstances. Um, yeah, it's just like, yeah, we just need to really appreciate the people who look after us more because yeah. who would we, who who would we be? How would we survive without healthcare professionals in in the world? Like, we just wouldn't. We wouldn't. We wouldn't. There's no way. Mm. They're the ones that are there on our worst days. And yes, yeah. sometimes they say the wrong things, <laughs> and their their humor is also. I mean, it's a whole different level. <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, um, yeah. But you, we wouldn't be here without them. And I'm just, you know, they during that time, them getting there and putting themselves at risk and taking care of us. And you know, I, um, I talked to my surgeon the last time I saw him, and he was, and he was saying, you know. It was a very interesting time in March 2020 here at the hospital and doing, you know, all my books got cleared of surgeries except for life-threatening ones. So it was kind of nice. He told me it's like it was kind of nice having the OR all to myself and having my schedule and like he could really focus. And I was like, well, good. I would. I was like, well, okay. So that it was interesting that you know we hear about like everything else about the panicking and how. You know, like that, it was really stressful and still is. But like he was like, oh, I was able to like fully focus and have my schedule cleared and just do these surgeries that were life. Like, I don't know. It was just weird to hear him in that perspective because he's in there every day doing that. Where I was like, oh my gosh, like, how is he like now? <laughs> like, oh, so it was, it was like, we, you were our one surgery for that day. Like, this, I'm like, Ew, that's so crazy yeah yeah and now they're trying to catch up and also yeah. now which i mean uh, i don't know if we're still feeling the covid effect i think i think we're getting there but there was a time about a year maybe two years ago where we had this influx in new members in our community in the young tongues who hadn't been seen because they hadn't been able to get access to a dentist oh. or a doctor. Um, so their diagnosis was, which would have already been a bit delayed because we know it's so difficult to get the diagnosis in the first place because people look at yeah. us and go, not possible, <laughs> it's possible. But uh, on top of that, they they literally couldn't access a dentist because the dentists were shot. Um 
it was only emergency dentistry that was open in the UK. Everything else was shut. Um, <clears throat> so if you have a leash, if you have something on your tongue, yeah. that pr- probably wasn't looked at as an emergency. But also the other f- way that the patient themselves might have gone, oh yeah, it's just a little thing on my tongue. I don't want to bother anyone. Yeah. Yes. You, you know. I- I said that to my dentist when I went in for a cleaning. I was like, oh, I think I bit my tongue. I don't know. Yeah. And, and that's the, the sort of thing we need to get away from. And, and we'll just repeat it. Yeah. Something in your mouth that hasn't healed after three weeks, you need to go and get it checked out. It doesn't mean it's going to be cancer. It probably won't, but you need to go and get it checked out. And oh, if it doesn't resolve that. itself or you don't get a diagnosis of it being something else, you have to be persistent and advocate for yourself and keep going to your dentist or going to a new dentist or going and getting a second opinion elsewhere. Yeah. Um, if just... it does, yeah. If demand and say, hey, I want this, you just have to ask. Hmm. It doesn't hurt to ask. Just keep asking. Yeah. And uh, we had a, a meetup in London a few weeks back. And it was the first time where I went, yes, Barbara, you're doing the right thing. Like, not the first time, obviously. I go quite often go like, yeah, this Young Tongues stuff is pretty cool and we're doing a great job. But this, this was a real, a real moment. So there was a young girl. She was actually fresh out of surgery, like a month. Wow. Wow. Like that. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, holy moly, what are you doing here? But, she, you know, she was, she was doing really well. That was great. But she so she shared her story, and basically she had this thing on her tongue that wasn't doing anything, and she found the young tongues before she got diagnosed. And she read all our stories, and she was oh like, hold God. on, this is me. This is happening to me. Wow. And she then went to her dentist and said, look, I have this thing, and it's not going away. And her dentist was dismissive. She, yeah. she, has, she already has some existing... Um, health conditions which okay. which don't help you know it's in order it's so much it's even harder to to get diagnoses if you already have other health conditions which mm. you know because people go they, to, they get a part of it or something be, yeah exactly um but she 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 persevered and she kept going back until she got referred to a specialist and and she said i think i only got referred because i really was getting on this, this guy's nerves because I kept showing up and going. Yes. This, this and you know what? Me. That's lately how what it takes. Yes. And yeah, Watch, she like, then, yeah, she then um, got diagnosed and she she joined the community on the day she got diagnosed. And she said, like, it was very weird because once she said, I, it was the diagnosis was no shock to me, but it was like, yay, I can join the others now. I said, I wish you didn't have to. And she's like, yeah, but she said, she now she knew. She's like, there's a community there for me that is going to support me and that is going to answer my questions and that is going to make this feel a lot less lonely and scary. And I was like, I was blown away. She was saying this, and I why we do myself, it? Like, think wow. how we. It's amazing, and you, you did it. Like, this is why we have this. I would have loved to have this. What going through? What we were going through? Yeah, and because of the information that we put out there, she was able to do what she did. She gets a diagnosis, and I mean, she got wow. her diagnosis earlier, which meant she had a much better outcome. 
Um, it means no radiation, no chemo, think touch wood at the moment at least. Awesome. Um, and also, and also just, you know, I can't even imagine it because we didn't go through it. When we, when, I, when we were diagnosed, it was such a lonely diagnosis because there was no community. There was no nowhere to go and ask questions and go like, holy shit. And, and also there was no li- other lived experiences in terms of, oh, this, this is how bad it could be or this is also how manageable it could be. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, so I really had a, a moment where I might have got a bit, blurry eyed and went like oh holy shit this this is really really worth it you know it's well, really it worth change, the time it changed her life because like it's never like if we don't have access to the information you don't get you know if it is cancer chances are it's in the later stages because didn't know what to look for mm. or i didn't have any access to and there was nothing on there that's like oh someone that looks like me or my age or a group like there was nothing there for me to even question what was going on. Mm, absolutely. Right. On that night, Jamie, because we have massively overrun today, but it's okay because we haven't really been present over the summer. So you got an extra long, extra. And you know extra. what? There was gore. There was watermelon-sized pills. And <laughs> really finding out if, you know... You know, he really loves you if he's there for you for the, the good and the bad. And the... He's he's one special. Yeah. <laughs> he's one special man, I'll tell you that. He is one special man. Um, couldn't be more grateful for him. So. Right. Yeah. I, did you, did I, we want to do a, a question? I, I didn't actually prepare anything, I have to admit. I didn't either because I was um, I was like, oh, we have so much to talk. Like, we got to. Yeah. Tell okay, everything about seeing as about. seeing as the Halloween's on on the way. Ooh, okay. Uh, best um, post surgery Halloween costume. Oh, best post surgery Halloween costume. Have I even dressed up? Uh, no, you go first. Well, I I don't really do Halloween and scary things, but I was just thinking, like, if if I picked something if i was invited to a party this year which i'm not if i was what could i do with all the scars and i think the next scar definitely like uh, a frankenstein you know all oh, you have to do yeah. it's already there you just have to like just have to draw the line draw the line all the way hey, around that's, that's a cute idea <laughs> yeah i still have all I my head that Oh, there's a there's a girl on Instagram. Um, oh God, she's brilliant. She she didn't have tongue cancer, but she had one of the many other types of cancers, and she uh, she lost all her hair during um, during treatment, and she she basically spent her time creating images with her bald head. Also, and and one of them is a basketball, and it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. That's amazing. Yeah, and she's done like a glitter head. She's done loads of different ones. She's she's oh, like a disco ball. Yeah, like uh, a disco ball. It's just absolutely brilliant. And of course, I'm scrolling now. And I, I can't find oh, her, but I'll put it in the show. Some of her stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. She's uh she's a lovely girl. She's really funny. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I think she had she had uh, blood cancer, but yeah, I'll put it in there. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm looking at you, and you just have to be Dorothy. I'm sorry, you've got Dorothy, Dorothy. or Snow White all over you. Oh, Dorothy. Um, 
you know, the Americans, uh, we really love Halloween. We really go all out. We're pretty quick. You should oh, see. Yeah, we're gonna, um, we are going to have a Halloween party and our front yard looks like Beetlejuice. Like we have uh, that whole scene set up. But um, my kid, that I, I'm going to tell that one of my kid's costume from back in the day when he was like, I want to say he was three. It's like, Jack, what do you want to be for Halloween? Like, you drop, like, oh, really funny. It's like a cactus. I was like, you're gonna, you want to be a cactus? Yes. I'm like, okay, <laughs> how am I going to do this? Um, so I got a green shirt and then I cut up little pipe cleaners and like soup or hot glue them to a shirt. Then I got a beanie and did all the spikes on it with like a flower. So he looked like one of those, um, you know, when you think of a cactus, it's the image of a cat, like the, you know, the one you always think of. And I was like, this is what really what you want to be? He's like, yeah. And three years old, I was like, okay. So we went trick-or-treating and he would knock on the door and then he should open the door and he wouldn't say trick-or-treating. He'd go. Well, it's like, and I was like, didn't say trick-or-treat, nothing. Like he, he was, messed with acting being a cactus. <laughs> he did. He was like, well, I was, I, he was a cactus. Cactuses don't say trick or treat. They get the candy, but they don't need to say it. And it was just, it's so funny how their little, my, it was the best costume. And like, I still have it because I'll never forget his, like, he just stood like a cactus and everybody knew it. Like there was nobody that didn't know who he was. Like, oh, did you see the cactus? Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. We oh, could all amazing. live up to that. Amazing. Hey, Jamie, thank you so much. And we will catch up again soon. Yes. And find us on Instagram and email and um, TikTok. And TikTok. And we will be here more frequently. Indeed. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you always for listening. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to give us five stars and the little comment and share with all your friends. Thank you so much. Yes. You take care. Bye-bye. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also follow us on Instagram under at YoungTongsGlobal. Or email us at YoungTongues at Outlook.com. See you next time. Bye.